to Ghoulish Tendencies. I'm Gabby. And I'm Kim, and we are two paranormal investigators who delve into the depths of the famous and not-so-famous cases of Moida Ghosts, Legends and Lore, with a healthy dose of debunking. Uh, my understanding is you were going to be doing some uh, debunking tonight. Ooh! We are going to have a grand old time tonight. Nice. Nice. Uh, tonight, we are literally going to hit on many of the things that we just listed in our <laughs> intro. Um, very excited for it. I feel like we've been on a kick recently of like spooky houses. <laughs> like, we have. Yeah. <laughs> randomly. Like in the last couple of months, there's been a few. There's been um, a few. But usually it's like haunting and just yeah. just haunting, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. maybe some moida, right? We've sure. got some moida in there. Sometimes. Love a good moida. Sometimes moida and haunting, you know, they go like it's like they go hand in hand. Peanut butter and jelly, exactly. Um, but like blood and I don't know stuff. Guts. Um, blood and guts, just like <laughs> blood and guts. You got moida and haunting. Wow, we're yeah. some really unique individuals here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, today uh, we are going to be talking about a topic that is filled with lots of weird shit. Mm. So like weird happenings. We've got some occultist moments. Mm-hmm. You got some good old death. Love it. Um, lots of our legend and lore category. Nice. Um, maybe some ghosties. <gasps> Toasty ghosties. Toasty ghosties. And we got fire. <gasps> All kind of like inexplicable fires, which is always, mm-hmm. it, it rings a bell to me. I feel like every time I hear about like any kind of haunting and like some weird fire that broke out when nobody was there, I'm always like, hmm. Is this ghost or pyromaniac, you know? Uh, <laughs> raises some questions. Um, so lots of different things we'll talk about. And where we are going to be talking about is we are traveling to, <gasps> not literally, like just in your brain, you know, just like think about oh. it. I know. I would really like to go here, though. Just like sidebar. Um, I've been here. The, you, you have. The yeah. southeast side of mm-hmm. Loch Ness. Yes. In the Scottish Highlands. Yes. Not to talk about your dear friend Nessie, unfortunately. Oh, I'm sorry, Nessie. Another day. You know I love you. So, we'll save Nessie for another day. Yeah. Uh, this is not a cryptid topic. <laughs> <laughs> no. Mm. No, but today we're going to talk about the Bulliskin House. Mm. And the Bulliskin House is kind of one that a lot of people have not heard about. But some kind of might have heard about it. Although they may have heard of one of the owners. <laughs> they may have. So, Kim, I, you've heard about this one a little bit before mm-hmm. we talked about it. Mostly because I know about said owner. Okay, got it. And it's kind of weird, right? Like, yeah. It's a weird one. So I'm excited to talk about it. And I was even more excited to actually like look stuff up because there's Mm -hmm. the legend that you always hear, which we'll talk about. And then there's the like, well, what actually happened and how much can we verify? Right. Right. So this story is about a manor that was built upon land with a ton of history and legends already. So before the house even existed, you got your legend and lore. Mm -hmm. Um, And It includes being built on what was once a church and cemetery, Uh setting us up for success, and uh, has been the home of a very famous person you were just about to mention, occultist Aleister Crowley. Uh And 
Led Zeppelin guitarist and producer Jimmy Page. That's right. I forget about that sometimes. He wrote a book, didn't he? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also just so random. <laughs> just like just love how random it is. Like I mentioned before, there's some fire involved. It mm-hmm. had a couple of fires pretty recently in 2015 and I 2019. Say, like, super recently. Yeah, just like, the last couple of years, the last one. Three years ago, yeah. Mm-hmm. But there were also some fires further back. And it just makes you kind of question, like, what happened there that drew certain people to it? Why is it so mysterious? Like, there's, I just, we have questions, you know? We have questions. So here's a nice, fun, big old slap of a warning. <laughs> lots of legend and lore. Lots of allegedly's. Allegedly. Lots of mixed, quote, air quotes, historic information Mm. and lots of conflicting resources (laughs) it's it's our favorite one so are you ready to dig in i'm ready bring it let's do it all right boom bulliskin house is Mm. 21 miles south of inverness on the opposite side of loch ness from the meal for monade oh man i can't pronounce any of this And halfway between the villages of Foyers and Inverfarige, tucked away in the valley of Stratherick on the east side of Loch Ness, and is situated on an elevated position from the loch, so it overlooks the loch. Great view for Nessie. Um, yeah. But before the house was built, the area has had a history of strange happenings. So some of this is going to be a little bit more historical and not so fun. And then some of it's going to be fun. So just I don't know. I find hold your horses. True. Depends on your perspective. So (laughs) Kim is about to have a great time. She's going to have a grand old time right now. So according to the bulliskinhouse.org history, little is known about the very early inhabitants of Stratherick. um, But there have been artifacts and relics dating as far back as the first millennium BCE. There be people. That happens a lot of places. It does. The early Middle Ages and medieval period for Stratherick is pretty obscure, but typical for that Mm -hmm. vicinity. Um, And Stratherick was assumed to be part of a Pictish kingdom with Mm -hmm. Celtic Scots of Dalriada, Dalriada, tomato, tomato, in the West, taking control of the region until the 13th century. So we're going way far back, right? Way deep. Now... At the time, these people were dominated by feudal lords who had Anglo-Norman origins. This is all probably stuff you know, Kim, because you did lots of history in this area. But I did not know this, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners don't know this. And I lived yonder. Well, I didn't live in Scotland. I lived in London. But uh, Yes, not too far I, off. Not too far off, and, and have spent some time in Inverness. Yeah, I, I want to go so badly. Like This it's is like one of the places I've on, on my bucket list. It's where I saw a... Uh, a metal um, bagpipe band. That is the coolest thing I've literally ever heard of. I'll send and, you some videos. Um, <laughs> this almost makes me want to throw it back to our metal dudes with um, vampire tendencies, but we'll... Yes. <laughs> Rabies. Um, anyway, that's a different topic for a past episode. If you want to know what we're talking about, go listen to the Origin of the Vampires episode. It's a great time. It's a good time. It's a good time. Oh, good time, so folks. Much fun. We have so way much, too much fun. fun. Oh, jeez. 
<laughs> anyway, we're not talking about that right now. We're, we're not. talking about the commons, which mm-hmm. is spelled C-O-M-Y-N-S. Mm-hmm. Um, they may have held lordship over Stratheric at the, around the time that the Anglo-Norman uh, origins stuff was happening in the 13th century. Uh, but it was lost during the Bruce period when mm. the Frasers... Or Frasers, not Frasers, not like the dude. (laughs) No tossed salad and scrambled eggs. Nope, not for this one. Um, (laughs) When the Frasers were granted the lands for their support of Bruce. So Stratheric um, then becomes Fraser territory around 1400. And the land that is now known as Bulliskin was originally established as a church parish in the 13th century, around that time, when the Church of Rome began um, expanding into the Scottish Highlands. So it was joined with the parishes of Abertaf for over 250 years, and in the 17th century was briefly joined with the parish of Doors to the south. This is all just background information. But <laughs> the most important part is that there was a kirk and a graveyard that were built in that uh, parish around this time in this vicinity. And the land was governed by a succession of ministers all the way into the 17th century. So at that time, Bulliskin was established, of course, as a parish, like we said. And the surrounding area was really... Um, encompassed in the new feudal systems that were put in place. So there were the lands of Foyers and Bulliskin were held from the Bishop of Moray well into the 17th century. This is around the same time as the Reformation period onward. Um, And the history of Bulliskin is more clear cut with the trajectory led through the succession of ministries during that time. So in a slim volume uh, of an account called an account of the Kirk of Bulliston. <laughs> uh, it compiled uh, parish archives. And in there, uh, they recorded that in the second half of the 17th century, there was a minister named Thomas Houston. Now, allegedly, allegedly, Thomas, allegedly, Thomas Houston was called from his manse when a notorious local wizard Raise the bodies <laughs> of the dead. It happens. So this minister, Thomas, was said to just take these uh, corpses, these animated corpses that were just like chilling and laying around, and he had to like shove them back in their graves. Listen, if you didn't want me to reanimate your corpses, you shouldn't leave them lying around. Like, we've talked about this. <laughs> I have so many questions. <laughs> Do you, though? Do you? The way you phrased it just then, it kind of resolved a lot for me, so maybe not now. Yeah. See, I feel like I feel like this is very clear-cut, Gabby. Okay, so. but wait. How did they get reanimated? Why did they get reanimated? Like, were they zombies? Were they vampires? Oh, I guess we are talking about vampires in this episode. Uh, but who, who is this wizard? I want to know who he is, and I Listen, could not find his name anywhere. Just because I needed an undead army to do my bidding. Like, you act like that's such a crime i mean show me the law books man i mean there clearly weren't very many at this time exactly shit was wild so if you want me to not reanimate your dead to use for my fantastical army then you should bury them deeper is all i'm saying so that's some shady shit to happen before this house is even built on that land right also it's some shady what shit. a great story um, <laughs> so you know legend lore actuality you choose your own adventure um But apparently, you know, conditions (laughs) in the graveyard at this period of time were not so great. (laughs) It was reported to be grisly. Um, Mm. One traveler wrote in his journal, 
quote, after dinner, we took a walk to see the Kirk of Boleskine, the poorest edifice of any kind I ever looked upon, as is also the manse. The churchyard is quite open without any walls where you can see plenty of human bones above ground and the floor of the Kirk is overspread with them. But how much was I shocked to hear that sometimes the dogs are seen carrying the human bones in their teeth. Say it with me. Nice. Nice. This dog loves nice. a bone, you know, even if it's I mean, human. Eh, who doesn't? Dog is going to dog. You know what I mean? Bone's so, going to bone. I mean, oh, uh, <laughs> anyhow. So uh, the 16th, 17th, 18th centuries, um, fun fact, if you don't know this during this time, were a time of pretty serious religious conflict in the Highlands. Uh, <laughs> what? Un- understatement of the literal <laughs> multiple centuries. Um if you didn't know this, it's due to the forming of the national church, the tumult in the national government. There was a lot going on. Now, although very few conflicts were in the immediate area of this vicinity that would constitute like a literal battle, the position of this place made it a point of frequent passage for troops that were going back and forth. And so there was a a spot that was set up in the area that was like a smaller footprint of a house, but not quite a house mm-hmm. that was probably used like a military outpost, which would have made for a pretty strategic vantage point above the military road that was being constructed at the time in 1732. Sure. So this house was built on the site of this Kirk. While there's this background of, you know, some tumultuous stuff going on politically <laughs> And according to legend, it caught fire. This entire, I'm saying according to legend. I know, I was like, because I'm going to call shenanigans on this from, from the little digging I did. But That's yes. That's fine, we can. But what happened allegedly, allegedly. was that uh, the church, the Kirk, caught on fire during the congregation and just killed everybody inside. Now, Kim. You found another resource for me because I was like, friend, help. I can't find anything on this. <laughs> and I, I did like I did a very, very rough look. I was not because uh, this was last night. <laughs> I think I was teaching when you first texted me. Um, I found a couple different references to just the church being there. One of the references, and I think you may have probably found the same one, talked about ministers being there on and off through the 17th century. Mm-hmm. Um, nowhere in there was like, except for this period where it burnt down. Uh, and then I found a thing and I sent you a picture of this. Yeah, I wrote it yeah. down. Yes. It says it says that uh, this one resource said that um, the parish council of Bulliskin was built in 1777, situated on a hill called Drum Temple. Uh-huh. And it was transferred from the old site at Bulliskin on Loch Ness. So um, how could it be transferred from if. the old site mm-hmm. if it burned down yeah exactly and the implication there and i found some other references to the new site mm-hmm. uh because i found the i think the website for the new site and i found mm-hmm. pictures from the new site and my new site i mean it was built in the 1700s so you know new air quote new air quote new but the implication was not we trans you know we had to relocate because the building burnt down it, it literally just talks about relocating the spot Right. And transferring to a new place, probably because the land got sold. Yeah. And that's actually what happened. Um, Yeah. So it's just, I love when there's a legend, though. Like, you got these, like, reanimated dead in the graveyard. But also, I wonder, like, did they 
do anything with the bodies if it was like, because technically speaking, the graveyard's still a graveyard. There's probably still bodies in there, right? Well, there is a graveyard in, and I what I don't know, and that was unclear, and again, I didn't do enough digging to figure this and, out. Yeah, it's, there's I not can, a lot of information out there on it either. But there is a graveyard <laughs> with the new location, and what I'm not clear on is exactly how far away the new location is from the original, mm-hmm. and if there wasn't much maneuvering that had to happen, or if they just built straight out on top of it. Sure, and how old the graves are? Are they newer graves, or are they the graves I mean, from not, prior? They're not newer graves, but like they're, but they're I mean, at least seventeen hundreds newer. But sure, but that's what I meant. Like, are yeah. they from the seventeen hundreds on or the older ones? It's also not uncommon. Like in that time, it wouldn't have been entirely uncommon to build on top of some of this stuff. That's true, like, and that's another Americans point. did it all the time when they were settling here. It's just it was the indigenous people, so you know. Uh, and it's I mean this is a Catholic. It was a Catholic church, so also. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to say what I'm going to say. It'll get me in trouble. Um, <laughs> That's say okay. This, I was raised Catholic. I'm allowed to say this. Anyway, um, no. Uh, to me, it just kind of reeked of the sort of thing of, yeah, maybe sure at some point in time there was a fire and maybe somebody even died in that fire. But that kind of giant game of uh, legend telephone where mm-hmm. there's a shred of truth in there somewhere. Sure. Or, I mean, what I would love to figure out is where was the first time there was reference to, because this is what I had to do with Franklin Castle, was figure out where was the first time there was a reference to some of the stories, and it didn't start happening till the 70s when that one family moved in. And so when was the first time there was reference to this fire and this wizard and all this stuff? Is it something that started... um, you know, back then, or did it not start to more contemporary times, possibly even after one of the more contemporary fires? Hold on to that thought. Okay. Because I'll address that in a bit. Fabulous. So great segue, though. So thank you for that, Kim. <laughs> um, so, you know, we don't know. Did it actually burn down? Did it get moved? Who knows? But what Kim's we do know, no. Kim's going to say, uh, yeah, Kim, no. Kim says no. She's going to call bullshit on that. All right. We're going to call bullshit. Now we're going to meet someone named Colonel Archibald Campbell Fraser. That's a mouthful. Uh, he oh, yep. uh, he was the first private owner of Bulliskin House. And uh, his formal term or formal name was Archibald Campbell Fraser of Lovat. And he lived from 1736 to 1815. He oversaw the commission as a manor estate of this house. It was constructed, which is funny because a couple of resources. One says 1760s. One sure. says 1809. I don't know. Whoever you want to believe, there's lots of different <laughs> resources that are conflicting. But depending on your source, either way. Fraser built it as a hunting lodge initially. We're going to call him Archibald so that we don't get confused. So Archibald, Archie, was the second son of the better known Simon Fraser, who was the 11th Lord Lovat, and his nickname was the Fox. So I'm also going to say there's lots of really good nicknames in this episode. So Maybe if you're doing a drinking game, fun friends at home, anytime there's a nickname, you can have a little sip. That's how we'll do that this time. Or allegedly, if you really want to get like tossed. But that's that's your call. <laughs> um, so anywho, Simon Fraser 
uh, was notoriously known to play both sides during the Jacobite uprisings in the 18th century. And he was notoriously absent at the Battle of Culloden uh, with his fellow Frasers and was later captured and executed for treason, decapitated at the Tower of London. It happens. Um, So sidebar, funny story. Um, (laughs) (laughs) These people might sound familiar. These people might sound familiar to you. Um, They sounded familiar to me, mainly because I watch a certain show called Outlander. (sighs) And I promise I didn't do this intentionally, Kim. This just happened. I love when this happens. Um, So if you are not familiar, it's actually there's books. There's also a show. Yeah, there's Um, books. Outlander is about a 20th century woman named Claire Randall who time travels and becomes embroiled in the 18th century um, ordeal uh, exploits of a Scottish (laughs) Highlander, our friend Jamie Fraser. Uh, There's the Fraser name. And Mm -hmm. he was a Scottish Highlander, which is here. And he's a Jacobite and a Scotsman who supports the restoration of the Stuart line to the monarchy. So literally there's the entire show covers actual historic events that happened during this time with some like you know non-historical characters but also some historical characters so the early books and seasons of the show revolve around the battle of culloden if i'm pronouncing that right great if i'm not sorry uh, which <laughs> awesome <laughs> which really happened and effectively ended the jacobite rising yeah. um and jamie fraser was written to be the grandson of our friend Simon Fraser. Aww. That was his grandpa. And our friend Archie, Archibald Archie. Campbell Fraser, is in Outlander. He actually like talks oh, to funny. Claire and tells her about a Fraser prophecy, which That's involves funny. a bunch of the Fraser lineage in Outlander. It's part of the plot. And I just heard these names and I was like, this sounds so familiar. <laughs> I, I know it from somewhere. It's because it's an Outlander. And I just thought it was so great. I had to share. <laughs> so anywho, That's, there's that. That is, that is pretty funny, actually. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. So Archibald uh, Campbell Fraser served as a British consul. This is like in life, not in Outlander. <laughs> in Tripoli. <laughs> <You> sure. <laughs> maybe, I mean, you know. At both, why not? Um, sure. In Tripoli and Algiers, and would serve as the MP for Invernessshire in Parliament. Mm. And he commissioned uh, Bulliskin House as a hunting lodge, like I'd mentioned, in the late 18th century. It didn't get finished until 1809, so maybe that's where that conflicting information happened, is maybe it started at one point and just took a long time to be built. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's sure. what it is. Yeah. But family drama was alive and well during this time, as it is throughout history and current days. Um, And apparently Archibald chose the site of this lodge specifically to piss off his dad, Ah. Simon Fraser, who is Jamie's grandpa, um, Mm -hmm. in retribution for his support of the Hanoverian side during the Jacobite Rising in 1745. Mm. Um, because Lord Lavat's land surrounded the site of Bolliskin. And I just think it's really funny because it's petty, but it's <laughs> a funny move. Uh, yeah. So I, that's, that's fun. Um, the original hunting lodge was expanded continuously throughout the years that the Fraser family lived there up through 1830. Mm-hmm. And it was all one floor, though. It wasn't two stories. It was just like a 
single um, story home, had four bedrooms, a kitchen, servant's attic bedroom, which was just above the kitchen, but not really its own floor. Um, had a lounge, a drawing room, library. Sounds lovely. Mm-hmm. There was apparently, allegedly, I don't know if this is real or not, a tunnel that linked the house to the graveyard. I could call bullshit on that. Sure. But maybe it's true. Who knows? Who knows? Unfortunately, Archibald's sons all died before he did. So oh, he ended up leaving the house to his grandson, Archibald T.F. Fraser. <laughs> Hashtag everyone's <laughs> named Archibald. Everyone's uh, named Archibald. And the estate remained in the ownership of the Fraser family until 1894. Okay. Now, the next owner would bring a lot of attention to the estate. This is where we get to talk about our friend Alistair Crowley. Mm. Now, Crowley lived at Bulliskin House from 1899 to 1913. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't know who Alistair Crowley was, he huh. was infamous in the late 19th century he and was the a early lot of 20th things. century <laughs> for his promotion of the occult, amongst other things. Mm-hmm. So um, let's do a little Cliff's Notes version of Alistair Crowley for context, shall we? <laughs> let's let's do it fun facts all right well i don't know if they're facts there could also be legend and lore who knows um but the press of the time called him the wickedest man in the world <laughs> yeah that's true that is true and he actually like loved being called this which i oh, think yeah, is no. really fun um uh, i, I think mean, he got off on it so would i i mean how fun why not it's a hey hashtag nicknames <laughs> here's another one take a sip um even today, one website labels him as the master Satanist of the 20th century. Ah. <clears throat> Another nickname. Uh, his creed was, do what you will shall be the whole of the law. And he acted on it. He was okay. a, as they called it at the time, libertine. Mm-hmm. He liked sex. And he was bisexual. A lot he was bisexual and mm-hmm. allegedly played quite a role in some of his rituals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and he really liked drugs too. So, <laughs> um, sure, that's your sure. kind of thing, you know. He Guess is quoted. He, yeah, man. He is quoted as saying, "Ordinary morality is for ordinary people." Mm. <laughs> Preach. Okay. Preach. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> love it. Love it. Here for it. In one of his many books, he says, quote, I was not content to believe in a personal devil and serve him in the ordinary sense of the word. I wanted to get hold of him and personally become his chief of staff, end quote. <laughs> I love this guy. Sorry. I'm no, not really, but like, too. I love the idea of all the, some of the shit he said is just amazing. Oh, there's more. <laughs> so just to give you a little background on him, that's some of it. We'll get more into it in a bit, but let's talk about how he's connected to Baltskin, right? So some mm-hmm. resources say that Crowley bought the house in August of 1899, mm-hmm. supposedly paying twice its market value of 2,000 pounds, right? He really mm-hmm. wanted it mm-hmm. from uh, Mary Rose Hill Burton, who supposedly was associated with the Fraser family. Okay. And at the time of purchase, the house was known as the Manor of Bulliskin and Abertaff as the name of the local parish. Hmm. 
Now, some say he purchased it specifically to perform an elaborate ritual, which would call forth powerful demons to help him further his magic. And, quote, he tried to smother the highlands in black magic by coaxing out the forces of evil, end quote. Nice. (laughs) This sounds like it's from Ghost Adventures. I'm here for it. (laughs) (laughs) This this, this was was the the, uh, ye old Zach Baggins then? Basically, like, I I feel like a lot of the stuff that I found, and we're going to get into this in a sec, but, like, it sounded like Zach Baggins could have just, like, written this shit. <laughs> anyway, so he ended up earning another new nickname. Are you ready? <laughs> nickname. Take a sip. Uh, the Beast of Bulliskin. Wow. I mean, so many good nicknames, so right? So many. So many. So jelly. I want minor just like gabernacle. It's not that fun. <laughs> Anywho, so some people say that he purchased this particular location for a spiritual retreat or sure. what he considered a quote unquote magical retirement. As he felt Bulliskin was the perfect place for such a spot. It was really serene. It was remote. It was perfect. So he actually wrote in his autobiography, quote, I had picked out Bulliskin for its loneliness. (laughs) Lord Lovett and Mrs. Fraser Tilter, my nearest neighbors, were eight miles away while Grant of Glenmordson was on the other side of Loch Ness, end quote. He had friends. Cool. He had friends. Crowley immediately took to his Highland life. He loved it. He even started to wear clothing that was very much Highland clothing. He donned the red and green tartan. And he even adopted the surname of McGregor after his friend and colleague, Samuel McGregor Mathers. Wow. More more good nicknames. Now, Uh the ownership records of his proprietorship list him variously. (laughs) More nicknames. Alistair McGregor. Mm -hmm. Alistair Crowley McGregor. Mm -hmm. And Lord Bulliskin. Nice. So many nicknames. I love it. So... (laughs) He also loved the outdoor activities. Oh, my goodness. He wanted to nice. romp around the countryside. It was beautiful. I mean, who doesn't? I don't blame him. Uh, he picked up salmon fishing on the <laughs> lock. Ah. He loved to rock climb. Sure. He even went hunting for red deer in his spare time. Apparently, Same. you know, well, here's the best part. This is what you're going to love the most. Apparently, he even loved to go haggis hunting oh jeez ah. uh at the expense of a visiting friend so if he ever had friends visiting he's like we're going haggis hunting we're going haggis hunting ah. so he Amazing. jokingly wrote i live the life of an ordinary scottish laird <laughs> <laughs> so okay kim do you know what a haggis is i'm assuming you do because you're laughing what's a haggis <laughs> I mean, like the food or the the food. Okay, I was gonna say because there is uh, an animal as well. Yeah, there's. I that's what most people think of when they think of haggis. But um, there's a the the wild haggis. I guess is what they usually call it. But it's kind of like the jackalope, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's 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 like a weird. I don't know. I couldn't even describe. It looks to me, it looks like if a long-haired sheep and a rat had sex, 
that to me is what a wild haggis would look like. Like, okay, have, you seen, have you seen pictures of them, yes, right? I literally, I'm, I'm dying right now because of what your description is. I'm going to tell you what my description is. Okay. And then whoever has never heard of a haggis needs to Google that shit and look it we'll up because you're going to lose your shit. It's amazing. You're going to lose your shit when you see it because apparently it's a creature from Scottish lore, which is yeah. like Scottish it's cryptid. Like the jackalope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look it up, I think it looks like a rat with a really bad long gray wig. <laughs> with like a middle part. I mean that that kind of that kind of matches the like long-haired sheep having sex with a rat. Yeah. It's 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 it looks like, like if you took Donald Trump's hair and put it on top oh, of a no. rat, you would but have like, a wild head. the size of like a human head on a little rat, but like on a little rat like like the actual cuz it's it, it it's it got has, a middle like, part magnificent <gasps> luscious locks if i'm recalling wait is it locks as an l-o-c-h-s uh, no because it's not a lake um damn it yeah. but, <coughs> missed uh, opportunity yeah it's it's um like again it's like a jackal it's not even like a legitimate <laughs> cryptid it's like a jackalope i really think someone took a wig and put it on a rat and took a picture like that's I, what it probably, looks like because well, there's been people who've like i i feel like there's a um I can't remember if this is where I saw it. There was, I don't know. There was a museum I was at in Scotland. I don't think it was the Loch Ness Museum because I think that was exclusively on Nessie. It may have been when I was in Glasgow. There was some museum I was at that had like a quote unquote taxidermied wild haggis. I mean, the same way in Arizona, you see like the jackalopes. And I think sure. that's where I keep like coming mermaids. back to. Yeah, like like a Ripley's Believe It or Not style right. thing. But it, it really just looks like a rat that somebody took a human toupee and put on it. And <laughs> specifically Donald Trump's hair. It's so funny. You guys gotta look it up. It's so funny. I'm it's, dying it's right now at your description it's and amazing. my description. Yeah. This was chef's kiss. Beautiful. I love it. Um, so yeah, anyway, love that uh, Crowley, like I know a lot of people hate him and he, he's done some messed up stuff oh he but did like, a lot of messed up stuff but like this description and we're not gonna this is not an episode about alistair crowley like i just want to preface this by saying i'm giving you like a little bit but enough and we're not gonna go into like the deep history of him but the fact that he did this kills me a little bit inside and it's i think it's very funny so he's he was also, a character he, he was, was a fucked up character but he was a character that is absolutely true and he wrote in his autobiography, quote, on first arriving at Boliskin, I innocently frightened some excellent people by my habit of taking long walks over the moors. One morning, I found a large stone jar at my front door. It was not an infernal machine. It was illicit whiskey. A mute Ooh, yet Illicit whiskey. Uh-huh. A mute yet eloquent appeal not to give away illicit stills that I might happen to stumble upon in my rambles. I needed no bribe, end quote. Uh, my next thing that I wrote was, Kim needs to be friends with him and his whiskey. <laughs> illicit whiskey. <laughs> That's a good band name, by the way. It's a great band name. <laughs> That's what I'm going to title my autobiography. Illicit, illicit whiskey. whiskey. Kim Douthit. Kim Douthit. The Kim Douthit story. <laughs> It comes with a shot. Perfect. It comes with its own shot. Wow. Just tucked away. It's like a little bag tied yeah, to the... Exactly. Oh, my God. Like what a great a opportunity. Little, a wee little, you know, just like give the people what they want. And what they want is whiskey. Illicit whiskey. Illicit whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> So Alistair Crowley's intention was to initially seclude himself and perform magic from the Book of Sacred Magic of I mean, Abram 
right, of Abramelin the Mage, which mm-hmm. he discovered as a member of the British Secret Occult Society, nice. the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Now, uh, allegedly, 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 it required at least six months of preparation to do this. It required oh. celibacy, uh-oh, and abstinence. <gasps> That's going to be uh, tough for him. Pass, pass. And alcohol. Mm. No, like it. Uh, advi- oh, like abstinence from alcohol? Abstinence from alcohol, yeah. Ab- abstinence? I can't even say it. <laughs> abstinence pass. from alcohol. Um, however, it also included pass. the summoning of the 12 kings and dukes of hell. Um, so and to bind them and remove their negative influences from the magician's life. That was the goal. Sure. So now sometime during this period, the Golden Dawn leader, Samuel McGregor Mathers, the one who he was buddies with, who he stole mm-hmm. the McGregor name from, um, sure. invited Crowley to Paris for an advancement of the secret initiatory group, forcing Crowley to abandon the ritual. Now, it's said that he left without dispelling the 12 kings and dukes of hell that he had summoned. And many locals blame the house's unlucky history on the evil spirits that were left behind, leading to strange happenings in and around Bulliskin House. Now, Crowley himself, who usually was not one to admit any wrongdoing or mistakes ever, even said that the rituals he had performed at Bolliskin had gotten a bit out of hand. So, like, he even admitted, like, whoops, might have made a little boo-boo. Oh, my bad. My bad. Um, now it's just going to be screwed over forever. And ever and ever and ever. <laughs> and since then, Crowley allegedly has been linked to a number of odd incidents over the years, including at least two violent deaths sidebar of which i could not find (laughs) um as well right as well as um black magic rituals to invoke the four princes of evil crowley and his devil worshiping followers allegedly also use the estate to make talismans and offer animal sacrifices to satan same sure Now, when talking about his experiments on the estate, he said, quote, the demons and evil forces had congregated round me so thickly that they were shutting off the light. It was a comforting situation. There could be no more doubt of the efficiency of the operation, end quote. To think that that's comforting just makes me go, "Mm, eh, is it though? Maybe for him, I guess. So Crowley and his disciples, as we mentioned, liked drugs and sex and also blood sacrifices of goats and cats during debauched rituals. And the black magician also took pleasure in the suffering that his sinister practices apparently brought to local villagers. So he freaked everybody out. He even bragged about how an employee of the Bulliskin estate got drunk one night after 20 years of abstinence from alcohol and then attempted to kill his wife and children. <laughs> I don't know if that's something to brag about. Yeah, I don't know that I'd be like, you know, it was awesome. This thing. <laughs> yeah, it was it great. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. And um, there was a lodge keeper there uh, named Hugh Gillies. Gillies? Gillies? He also suffered a series of tragedies, unfortunately. Um, First, his 10-year-old daughter died suddenly at her school desk. Mm. And a year later, his 15-month-old son died of convulsions on his mother's knee. 
So, but this is a moment where I'm going to like have a flashback to a curse or no curse and be like, but is this natural for, do they have other problems and we just don't know about Mm. it? Or you want to reference it to this because it's convenient, you know? Yeah. I I don't know that I'd buy that. That's part of some like curse. It's tragic. It's sad, but like also what year is it? (laughs) Exactly. And I think like Scully's going to Scully, right? Like, let's talk about the truth of, of Aleister Crowley. Like he was a unique individual to your point mm-hmm. i think it was really easy like yes he did some like messed up stuff but contrary sure. to popular opinion believing that his work was a black magic ceremony this particular one that he did here uh it originated out of a mid 15th century manuscript of jewish provenance outlined it outlined a rigorous set of practices involving divination and prayer as a method mm-hmm. to speak directly to god Sure. So it actually wasn't meant to be a negative thing, allegedly. Right. I don't know. This is maybe, right? Sure. But while it's also easy to just look at him as a spooky occultist, many biographies actually show him as an artistically spirited, well-humored, just like eccentric. Um, Very eccentric. Super eccentric. And it's all about the source of your information and your perception of the situation, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So he's often taken on different personas, whether he was attempting to embody the spirit or soul of an image for a specific intent or, you know, just being a loud big person for the sake of being a loud big person and personality. Yeah. Um, he taught yoga. He called himself sure. Mahatmu Guru Sri Paramansha Shivali. I can't even pronounce that. I'm not going to okay. even try any more than that. Uh, and during his travels to Cairo in 1904, he took on the pseudonym Prince Kioa Khan. <laughs> more nicknames. Uh hmm. He dressed in lavish silken clothing and uh, wore a long oriental beard. And he even Mm. did an impersonation of Winston Churchill, which I think is really funny. Of course. Um, But aside from his notoriety for being an efficacious author Uh of esoteric literature and poetry, he's known for a lot of achievements. He actually uh, did some like really intense mountain climbing and Mm. was a champion chess player. What's really nuts is that um, he climbed some of the most difficult peaks in England and glaciers in the Swiss Alps. And while he was at Boliskin, he undertook two historically significant mountaineering expeditions. One was uh, Chongo Rai, more commonly known as K2. And it was in 1902 with his friend uh, and climbing mentor, uh, Oscar Eckenstein. He was a famed mountaineer, and he also invented the modern crampon. Um, oh. And okay. in 1905, like, literally, like, three years later, he would lead another expedition. Oh, I'm going to try to pronounce this. To Kanchenjunga. Uh, it's the third highest mountain in the world. Uh, so, like, an ambitious oh. dude. Like, this guy did some wild mountaineering. Um, And in short, you know, despite many of the fun portrayals that we can be like, wow, this guy was like really wild uh, and like bad. He, you know, was quirky and artistic and he was an intellectual and he lived a weird lifestyle that didn't identify with a lot of people in a mainstream culture. Yeah, he thought differently. He did differently. And that doesn't always uh, jive with humans. But he also did messed up shit. So, like, oh, he did plenty of messed up shit. Don't get me wrong. <clears throat> yeah, but I mean, it's also dependent Both on like can be what, true. what what perspective <laughs> are you wanting to take, right? Right. And so he left the property of Balaskin in 1913, 
moved to a modest cottage for some time. Uh, and during this time is when World War I started happening. Mm. And the economic stress of the war would cause him to have to sell his estate in 1918. Mm. So he was really bummed about it and considered Baliskin House to be an important landmark for his life. Um, yeah. And like mainly said it was because of the sacred magic of Abramelin that he did. Um, that was there. That's why he thought it was such a big deal. Huh. Now, <clears throat> post Crowley, uh-huh. um, Bolliskin was then registered in the ownership of Dorothy C. Priestley. Um, this is a lot of like ownership stuff. It's not that fun. It's just like this person owned it and then that person owned it. Um, huh. And they introduced plans in 1926 to make significant alterations, wanted to make it bigger. It never happened. And through a, it passed through a series of owners after, after Priestley and was purchased by Foyer's Hotel Limited in 1944, then went to David Shirley Crichton Simpson in 1946, who then sold it to John Robert Rankin Fullerton of Noblethorpe, Barnsley, Yorkshire. Okay. These freaking names and places, man. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> so things get a little confusing when you get to the 60s. There's lots of different information that was reported. Um, and some of the dates and like actual years of reported mm. stuff don't mm-hmm. make sense. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so after the Second World War, the house was then owned, allegedly, by Major Edward Grant. And okay. One resource said that in 1960 this happened. Another Mm -hmm. resource said in 1965 that this happened. Either way, Grant committed suicide in Crowley's bedroom with a shotgun. And Mm -hmm. this was the same room that Crowley had used for some of his satanic rituals. Mm. Whether or not those two things are correlated or have an impact or what, we'll never know. Okay. After that, a newly married couple moved into the house. (laughs) I'm sure it was cheap. Uh, Mm -hmm. I didn't have information on this either. I couldn't find the names of these people, but apparently the wife was blind. And after a month, the man left her and like didn't tell her and left her wandering around looking for him, which is so messed up. But I don't know if it actually happened because I couldn't find their names. So part of Mm. me is like, I hope this didn't actually happen because I can't find their names. Sure, sure, sure. So apparently around... It says in 1960, again, these dates are not always uh, consistent, but uh, Mary Verit Grant, also known as Mary Lorraine, uh, Mm -hmm. then owned the property. And apparently while at an art exhibit in Inverness, Mary Lorraine met Molly Lorraine. (laughs) They were not related. That's cute. Uh, Right? And they both were excited that they had like the same last name and they both were super stoked on the like bizarre uh, lore about Bulliskin and wanted mm-hmm. to buy the property. So when she met Mary and they shared a surname, it was too strange to be like, this is just a coincidence. We like the same stuff. Mm-hmm. So apparently she then convinces her husband, Dennis Henry Lorraine, to purchase the property in 1963. So oh. the Lorraines were looking for the property in the Scottish Highlands with the intent to use the land as a pig rearing operation. Sure. However, in reality, Dennis, uh, who was actually a 
pretty serious career con man <laughs> uh, oh. was establishing a small pig feeding farm as a ruse for the ongoing Cadco scandal, which was further south in the Glenroths. So that scandal involved Dennis Lorraine and actor George Sanders. They okay. embezzled millions of pounds in government grants under the pretense of meeting a national shortage of pork products. Um, the best part about this story is the name of the scandal. Do you know what the name of the scandal was? Mm, off the top of my head, though. No. The Great Sausage Scandal. <laughs> hmm. This was a fun story. Um, hmm. But by the time the law had caught up to Lorraine, he sold Bullskin House uh, to, and he just like left the U.S. So it was ended up being sold to Halbert Kerr, who ran Bullskin as a guest house from 1967 to 1970. Sure. And during this time, Kenneth Anger, what a name, uh, an That's experimental filmmaker, he liked the occult. Uh, he doesn't learned about the house that it was on the market rented it for a couple months and then somehow jimmy page hears about this and he goes i gotta buy it <laughs> it's so fun sorry i know so if you don't know who jimmy page is he's the guitarist and producer of led zeppelin and he was the next owner of the bulliskin house in 1971 and owned it until 1992 some people say he owned it in 70 71 whatever's you, you get the point. Um, now, the reason why he was interested is because he loved Aleister Crowley. He was obsessed with his work when he was a teenager. Also, like, can you imagine being a teenager and being exposed to Aleister Crowley and being that rebellious teenager that's like, this is my people. Like, I could just see that being like Jimmy Page. Like, I just oh, feel like absolutely. Jimmy Page needs a better name. And needs it to not be Jimmy Page because it's, it's too Jimmy norny. Page. It's like it's like Jimmy Olsen working at at you know the Daily Planet. Like it's so wholesome sounding. <laughs> Yet he loved Crowley's work. Um, apparently, he found a copy of Crowley's monographed Magic, and he quote had read a lot of Crowley and was fascinated by his ideas. End quote. And was a collector of his memorabilia. Like he was sure hardcore Crowley fan. Um. And his affinity for Crowley and the occult was pretty evident, obviously, before he even purchased this house. But I didn't realize it impacted some of the names in Led Zeppelin. Did you? Oh, no, that I didn't know. I Again, he's got a book. I swear that he wrote about this, um, which I've never read. I just it's bringing up bell because I am who I am. Uh, I haven't read I, it either. And I, I vaguely have heard about it, but I didn't. Look I'd be into curious too far for to this. read it just because. Yeah. yeah. No, me too. And apparently the Led Zeppelin, the f three, the that's the third album. The sure, vinyl sure. pressing was inscribed with the thelemic phrase, do what thou will. And the yeah. symbols ascribed to each band member on the Led Zeppelin four were inspired by sigil magic. Oh, that's crazy. Which is kind of cool. Um, and at the time Paige bought the house, it was not in a great state. It was pretty... It was falling apart. So okay. he still thought, though, even though it's falling apart, I could write some good songs here. So he buys it. Right. And he thought that he would remodel the house and bring it back to like the Crowley vibe. He wanted it to have a Crowley like theme. Of course, I appreciate a good theme. I totally get it. Totally. Um, and he commissioned artist Charles Pace to paint some Crowley-esque murals on the walls. Mm. 
so cool. I wish I could find pictures of that. Mm-hmm. Um, these were based on the murals in Crowley's Abbey of Thelema in Sicily, discovered by Kenneth Anger in 1955. Mm, okay. Love the dedication to that. That's sure. props. Love that. Um, now, despite this, Paige was never really there at the house itself and said he usually asked friends to stay there and watch over the house for him. Um, those who watched over the property included Eric Hill, Barristan Colby, and Malcolm Dent. But Dent was the primary caretaker. He was there the most. Okay. And when asked why he was chosen, Dent explained, quote, Jimmy Page caught me at a time in my life when I wasn't doing a great deal and asked me to come up and run the place. I never did establish why he fixed on me, end quote. Mm. Now, when Dent moved in, the house, quote, it was a wreck. It had been more or less abandoned. There had been at least one fire there. Here's another fire. Parts of the building were missing and it had been badly patched up. The grounds, which at one time had been very nicely laid out, were gone to hell. End quote. Uh, pun intended? Eh? No? Maybe? Eh, maybe not. Um, now, of course, there was an air of darkness. Otherwise, he would like Jimmy Page wouldn't have bought the house to begin with. Uh, right. And so hints of the paranormal start mm. to come out. I'm sorry it's taken this long to get to paranormal. But we've got there. But we're it's okay. Here. We're here uh, now. We're here now. And so we'll in take 19- care of you. I will. We will take care of you. We will take care of you. In 1975, Jimmy Page told the Rolling Stone, quote, strange things have happened in that house which have nothing to do with Crowley. Ooh. The bad vibes were already there, end quote. Mm. This is where we get to play haunting or no haunting. <laughs> or no haunting is one of my favorite games now although dent was a skeptic of the paranormal he started to experience some strange things after a few weeks he started hearing strange rumblings from the hallway which stopped i mean people get gassy after certain meals you know (laughs) um (laughs) it's the cat it's the cat the cat's gassy Um, she's always gassy But, okay, you know when you think you hear something and you go look and then it's quiet and then you go, you leave and then the noise starts again? Like, that's what kept yeah. happening to him. Yeah. Okay. Um, those dang playful spirits just kept messing with him. Every time he closed the door, it started making that rumbling noise again. That gassy old cat. Um, now, after researching the house, he discovered, I love that it says he discovered, this quote that I found, <laughs> that the hall was supposedly... The sound in the hall was the head of Lord Lovat, even though he was executed sure. in London. So totally. Samuel Fraser, apparently the head of Samuel Fraser is rolling around in the hall. And that's the ruckus he's hearing that sounds like a gassy cat. Um, <laughs> I have notes. So Dent explains, because he knew you had notes. He says, quote, above Bulliskin, there's a place called Erigy, which is supposed to be supposed to be the geographical center of the highlands. Bulliskin was then the nearest consecrated ground to Erigy and though and thought his soul or part of it ended here. End quote. Yeah, no. You, OK, so this is an audio medium, but the facial expressions right now are really good. <laughs> Kim has notes. <laughs> Kim has notes. Uh, it's worth subscribing to our Patreon just so you can see Kim's face right now. 
<laughs> that's true. That's true. Now, Paige had to chime in on this, too, because it wasn't just Dent who believed this. So Paige told the Rolling Stone, which also I want to change to like the rolling head just because that'd be funnier. <laughs> Um, Missed opportunity. Right. He said, quote, a man was beheaded there and sometimes you can hear his head rolling down. Of course, after Crowley, there have been suicides. People carted off to mental hospitals. End quote. Okay. Sure. Sure. Cool story, bro. (laughs) Nonfiction. We know how Ken feels. All right. So Dent. (laughs) I am who I am, Gabby. I am who I am. Dent also experienced, quote, the most terrifying night of his life at Ballaskin. He awoke one night to hear what sounded like a wild animal snorting and banging outside of his bedroom door. Tilly. It went on for a while and Dent didn't open the door until morning where he discovered nothing. Well, yeah, sure then. (laughs) Right. Dent then (laughs) added whatever was there was pure evil. I'm sorry, uh, Dr. Loomis. I didn't realize that you were part of this story. (laughs) Uh, my note on that is pure evil animal dog yeah i was like <gasps> or rats <laughs> i mean like i mean it sounds know. like it when spooky's outside of my door being needy like that's what yeah, that sounds like i like do they do they have you know uh, do they have cats that live there or do- any kind of any literally any animal rats cats dogs raccoons possums like my cousin merle i don't know man merle Good old Merle. Who doesn't love Merle? Merle apparently sounds like a, a loud, pure evil animal snorting and banging. Um, you know what? He does. It's the sleep apnea. It just can't be helped. <laughs> what if it actually was sleep apnea? Like back when I didn't have the machines. That's what it sounds like. You know? I mean, there's just, there's just so many. I mm, You didn't look, bro. You didn't look. And well, so much of this is like what we talk about when you have a feeling about something and you believe what you want to believe and you freak yourself out, but it's not absolutely. actually anything, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. And Dent also reported, it doesn't stop there, strange and unexplained creaks, groans, and various ghostly apparitions, and became annoyed by the Crowley and Page fans who frequently attempted to come up to the house for a quote-unquote nosy. Also, yeah, so maybe the noises too. are the people. Like, that's yeah. literally what I thought. Yeah. Like, I, it's a... <clears throat> Kim has notes. There's more. so and of of course there's people that have stayed there right it's not just dent there were other friends that stayed there and over the years since then people have gone there prior to some fires which we'll get into but another (laughs) friend who stayed at Ballaskin awoke one night claiming she had been attacked by quote some kind of devil but doesn't elaborate on what happened um again cat i don't know like (laughs) i think the answer to everything for this is cat is cat (laughs) This is like, this is how you know they're they're not cat people, because their first answer isn't just obviously cat. Let's face it, cats, I love them to death. I love Matilda more than my own life sometimes, but also, she's a dick. Is it a poltergeist, or is it a cat tossing something off the counter? Like dealing with daylight savings time, because let's face it, that's a whole other thing. Anyway. That's a whole other bag of cats. Whole other bag of cats, man. <laughs> so, um, and other occurrences. Uh, 
some stuff happened, like chairs moving on their own, switching sure. places, uh, doors Echo. slamming open and closing for no reason. So Absolutely. to me, that, that that sounds a little bit weird, and I could understand how that would freak somebody out. And Apparently, how old is the building at this point? Pretty old. I mean, yeah, over that also, yeah. But it also Drafts. said carpets and rugs rolling up inexplicably. Cat? <laughs> I'm um, being honest. Okay, no. Okay, listen. So our cat, Sweeney. <laughs> He would race through the house and uh, he was a big boy. Um, the rug would just f- like slide across the floor. So I'm just saying a cat catches the edge of the rug. It can roll up. All right. Scully's going to Scully. I'm just saying. Um, it's true. But apparently none of these weird things prevented Dent from like leaving. He still stayed. <laughs> Yeah, and that's so where, like that's where you lose me too. It's like it was real scary, but also <coughs> it was fine. Okay, but it wasn't that he just stayed. He actually met his wife there, ended up having a family with her, and raised the family in the area. So I guess Absolutely. it couldn't be that bad. I don't know. But I mean, then you have like villagers and people in the area, and you know how that goes with word of mouth of like mm-hmm. the telephone game. So sure. rumors start to run rampant. And a local school cook said, I wouldn't go there if I were you. That place is haunted. Now well, she's that's who I would listen to. <laughs> right. She also didn't elaborate just so sure. that you wouldn't catch her walking by there at night. Um, yeah, but would she walk by there normally? Also a good question. But visitors heard footsteps in the middle of the night, felt cold, unexplained drafts. And when entering the dining room, would find the chairs moved from their places. So that happened to other people, too. Again cat okay kim is gonna kim all right i'm just saying cat some of it's kind of weird i gotta do a little bit of moldering here i well i just i guess again for me the only issue with stories like this is the lack of any like did they take pictures when this was happening did they yeah evidence evidence like i i'm all for believing these accounts the problem is is that again it's it's the yeah, there's this time the rug was rolled up. Okay, give me a date. Give me a journal entry. Give me a picture you took or something. Like, give me more than just one time the, the rug rolled up. Because we do this in life, too, right, Gabby? Like, mm-hmm. we tell a story, and it's interesting, and people are into it. So we tell the story again, and it gets a little bit more elaborate. And we tell the story again, and it gets more elaborate. This is the most time you tell murder the story. House. <laughs> exactly. But it's, it's not even intentional. I just, I, it's, that's where I can't just take some of this at face value. I hear the story. I don't disbelieve the story, but okay. Did you record every time this happened? So there was some kind of legitimacy to, I've gone off on a little bit of Kim rant. I apologize. That's okay. But, but you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. It's not yeah, that yeah, I yeah. disagree that it, it, it could have happened or that it did happen. It's that when you think these things are happening, you need to do more than just like Believe recount it. the story when you get drunk at Christmas. That too. And also like just because something weird happened in the area doesn't mean it was like related. Exactly. And so this brings me to the next thing that was listed was that up okay. the road mm-hmm. there was a bridge and apparently <gasps> not a bridge. Apparently very much like Beetlejuice mm-hmm. um, the bridge had there was an accident on the bridge and it was a wedding night and a bridal carriage had fallen off and killed the bride and groom uh over the waterfall over the bridge 
Is this um, a verified story or an allegedly story? This is an allegedly story. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and allegedly, on top of the allegedly, you can hear wailing at a certain time of the sure. year. By a bridge, there's, you say? Is there water there? There's the waterfall. So there's a waterfall and a. Does anyone know what foxes sound like in heat? I mean, is it a fox or is it Simon Fraser the fox? <laughs> Could be Simon Fraser the fox. But, but I mean, again, coming back to the. Yeah, no, you're great point. Great point, uh, friend. Like animals in heat. You know what they sound like? Dying things. Dying things. It's true. Just put a bunch of animals in heat in a haunted house okay. and have fun. When I when I lived in the UK. Uh, I did not realize. You know what oh, London told me the story. has in abundance? <laughs> foxes. You know what I didn't know when I moved to London? That there's foxes everywhere. Uh, and my flat was, was, there was a little park attached to my building. And I, my window overlooked it. And I get home from class one day because I'm in grad school and it's late. And I'm in bed and I hear something dying outside my window and I freak out. Turns out foxes were in heat and there was a little fox orgy happening right outside <laughs> my window. But it sounded all night long. It sounded like something was dying. Meanwhile, they were was. just welcoming you home. They were, they were, they were, they were, let's get it on. Um, they were enjoying themselves in the way people do, which again, good on you, foxes, good on you. But I, it's, it comes back to the people here screaming by a bridge. Okay. You know what's outside? Wildlife. You know what wildlife sounds like in heat? Screaming. Great point. I also really love the story that came with that. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. Here's a little, little peek into <clears throat> Kim's life when she was in grad school. <laughs> the horror of foxes in heat. Foxes in heat, man. Foxes um, in heat. But yeah, anyway, there's just some weird stuff that people report could be debunked 100%. Sure. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, there's also a story about the hunting lodge that, that was originally there that apparently mm -hmm. it's allegedly haunted by a lady in white. Um, but no one could say like who this lady was or why she was haunting it. And like, what's the deal with her? Um, visitors to the estate have also reported seeing flashing lights that go on and off, which seems a little weird, but also like there's technology and electricity. Could it be something in the distance? Is there a road? Is it a car? You know, like there's mm -hmm, lots of mm -hmm. questions that we could have. Apparently windows shattered and a chair, which belonged to Crowley moved on its own. Mm. Sure. Um, sure. There's just a lot of accounts of things that happened without any evidence, to your point. Evidence. But also a lot. Like, there's a lot of different things. And that was my heavy haunting moment of, like, mm. we're still in uh, – Dent is still there. We're talking about that. But as, obviously, Dent didn't stay there forever. Neither did um, – our friend Jimmy. So the mm. house was then put on the market in 1991 for 250,000 pounds. And it was purchased by Ronald and Annette McGillivray in 1992. Okay. Um, the McGillivrays bought it because they shared kin with the Frasers. Ronald mm. uh, actually wanted to reestablish Balliskin as a Fraser estate. Like, that's awesome. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And according to Mrs. McGillifray, uh, when they bought the house, it was really in a terrible state. Um, and they, quote, spent a lot of money stripping it back to the bare walls and re-roofing it. It had four bedrooms, four bathrooms, a huge drawing room, dining room, library, various smaller rooms, end quote. And the house was then converted into a hotel. So Ronald was said to hate any reference to the house's dark past when it 
was home to Crowley. So anytime mm. anyone would ask him about it, he'd get pissed. We've seen mm. that with a lot yeah. of like historic homes or places that do tours that don't want to admit that their place is mm-hmm. haunted or mm-hmm. talk about any of the ghost stories. So this is that guy. Sure. Um, okay. And when asked whether or not she had experienced any mysterious occurrences at Bolliskin House, his wife stated that she experienced, quote, absolutely none. I am a non-believer and don't listen to all that rubbish. We had a great time there. <laughs> sure. Um, upon Ronald's passing in 2002, Mrs. McGillivray sold Bolliskin to Tunis Griffin and Gertrudia. Wow, what a name. Joanna Backer, who occupied the house as a holiday home away from their original home in the Netherlands. Okay. In 2009, a 1.9-acre plot of the farmer estate was put on the market for 176,000 pounds with plans to build a three-bedroom log house, and the sale also included 140 feet of foreshore on the Loch Ness. So at this time, you had Gertrudia and Tunis that were there on holiday. I don't know if they rented it out to other people or what throughout Mm, that time mm -hmm. um but on december 23rd in 2015 at 1 40 p.m flames were reported and smoke was reported coming from the Bolliskin house Mm. Um, and when the fire crews attended they noted that 60 percent of the building had been incinerated and the flames were up to 20 feet high um the rest of the building outside of the West Wing were pretty severely damaged and the owner's business partner and daughter were not home when this happened. They had gone out shopping and they came home to find their house on fire. Um, They thought that the fire had started in the kitchen, but they couldn't really figure out how. um, And there was never any full explanation as to how the fire actually started when no one was home, Mm. which is weird. Um, It wasn't electrical, Uh, But they didn't know how it started. Um, The interior of the house was almost completely destroyed. Um, Part of the roof and the outer walls survived. But the former owner, uh, Mrs. McGillivray, had said that since the extent of the damage was so bad, quote, it is unlikely it will ever be rebuilt unless there is someone out there with an interest in the occult wanting to spend a lot of money, end quote. Um. So it was put on the market in 2019 in April for 500,000 pounds. And they called it the ruins at this point. Mm. And Bulliskin House Foundation SCIO uh, purchased it with intentions to restore the house and the gardens to their original form and open up the estate to the public as a historic home. Um, But shortly after the purchase, uh, July 31st, so it was purchased in April, July 31st, 2019, Mm -hmm. There's another fire, and it was suspected arson at this point, hmm. but it was never resolved. Okay. Um, okay. So the fire destroyed the rest of what was left inside of Bolliskin House, and as of December 2019, they started to clear the damage. Um, now, the friends of Bolliskin House later posted on Facebook that the coach house had been saved, but what was left of the roof of Bolliskin House had fully mm. collapsed. So mm. it genuinely was just like done. There's nothing there. And the most mm. recent reporting really is about 2019, 2020. I haven't really mm-hmm. seen a ton about like current status other than you can go there if you want to, but you have sure. to, it's like a private property. So you have to book a time with the owners and go there invited not just uninvited and not trespassing Mm. so 
I think they are, they still have this um, ballskinhouse.org. You can still contribute financially to it. I guess you can purchase like uh, a stone that has your name on it that basically contributes to the rebuilding of the house, which is kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So like there's a plan to restore it, but it's just going real slow, understandably. So while this might have been a great location for ghost hunts in the past, it probably isn't the safest or best place to go now based on what we talked about. Um, And despite the host of tales, investigators who have explored the space recently neither heard nor saw anything out of the ordinary. Um, And, you know, I guess take it with a grain of salt, but don't like use your best judgment. So, you know, having said that, we talked about a lot of things. We talked about fires. We talked about (laughs) some reanimated dead people. Uh, We talked about more fires and people dying. We talked about occultism and Satan um, and just like people who like that kind of stuff. And then some weird deaths. But like overall, between the legend of an old minister (laughs) hurrying out of his manse to put the dead back in their graves Uh and a fire that killed a congregation, one might Uh think that something sinister did draw the beast of Bulliskin to this particular site. Or was it just his love for the Scottish Highlands and wanting to romp in, you know, nature? Um, Was there something more sinister left over by Crowley's rituals that lingered on the land that could have caused the recent fires? But did he or his raised demons haunt his former house? I don't know. Probably not. Kim doesn't think so. What do you think, Kim? I I mean, um, do I think it's possible the house is haunted? Absolutely. The house has been there for, my God, what, 300 years? Yep. Sure. Yep. I'm sure there's some energy there, if nothing else. Um, Is it possible there's even some more energy because, you know, Crowley was, like, pulling some shit? Sure. Um... I just wish there was better documentation from like I I'm curious if the private owners have ever had investigators come in. Do you know what I mean? Like I would be curious for a more formal evaluation. Evaluation mm-hmm. um or to even talk to the the last couple sets of owners to be like what have you experienced more specifically? Have you experienced more specifically? Uh because I, I do find it really interesting where you have some of these houses that, that get really into, like, oh, it's haunted and all these things are happening. And then for the next couple decades, you have owners who don't experience anything. Now, does it mean a place is haunted? No. But does it mean that there could be other things going on there at the same time? Yes. So um, I think it has a wild history. I don't feel like I have enough actual evidence. Evidence to determine a lot of things i agree a hundred percent i i feel like with this one and then to go back to your point that i was like hold that thought it was Mm -hmm. more so about like where is this information coming from and when was it published yeah a lot of it was published in the 70s a lot of it was published during the time that um Uh, jenny page was we know we know what used to happen in the 70s a lot sure and like at the same time there there was less 
formal evidence and oh, formal documentation than absolutely. an article written in the Rolling Stone, you know? Uh-huh. And so I think it just depends on what your resource is, what you want to believe. Uh-huh. To me, though, it doesn't negate the fact that a lot of weird stuff happened there. And sure. it just seems bizarre that a lot of weird stuff happened there. But also, like, sometimes people imprint what they want on a space yeah. and have energy that's left over from people. And it could Mm -hmm. be from living people. It doesn't even have to be from dead people. Absolutely. I just think the fires are really interesting, too. Like, why are there so many fires? What's the deal with fires? But also, again, how old is this house? 300 years old. Sure. Do you know what 300-year-old houses have? Wood. Shitty wiring, for one. Oh, (laughs) that, too. No, I say this like we have my family has a house in Leavenworth. It's over 100 years old. We did an investigation there because the house is haunted. Um, But one of the things we figured out during the investigation, there was some serious wiring stuff happening. Hmm. Like dangerous wire. Like I, I called my folks that night and I was like, hey, so yeah, this is what's been happening on the paranormal side. But also we figured out some of what we're detecting is some real bad like this house could burn down bad wiring stuff mm, and maybe that could be causing fires exactly so I, I mean like an old house means old wiring means not built to be fireproof mm. built of wood <laughs> i i just old houses don't have some of the even even an updated old house doesn't have some of the safety precautions that a newer house would have so i guess the fires to me that doesn't really ring a whole lot of bells because i'm like yeah and <laughs> it's old <laughs> of course the fire to me is kind of the least weird thing if that makes sense what do you think is the most weird thing about this out of curiosity i mean just i guess the fact that it's had some of the people living there who have lived there but um like maybe why they're drawn there but see even that like it's easy to say i felt something pulling me to this house when you know some of the history because yeah of course now you're like oh yeah that's weird i must have been drawn here i don't know i guess the history is weird because it's old i challenge you to give me an old property that doesn't have some kind of weird history that's true Again, the longer Franklin it's Castle. There, yeah, the longer, longer it's, it's there, there, the more weird history it can have. Statistically, something yeah. weird's gonna happen. Right. So I don't actually find a whole lot of what happened there particularly bizarre, given how old the house is, and that you've had some notable people living there. Which again, I come back to Franklin Castle, just because we've recently talked about it. So, uh. I don't discount that it's haunted. I don't think it's some weird, like, supernatural vortex or something. Um, I think you've had some notorious people living there. Yeah. I think what makes me raise a question is this Mm -hmm. association that was created that purchased it. What's their goal? Like, like they want to restore the house, but why? Is well, it because of the history that it has with Aleister Crowley and maybe wanting to market it and make money off of it? Sure. Is it because they Possibly. think it's haunted and want to, like, bring people in to do investigations? Do you know what I, I mean, mean? Like, there's so many. I have so many questions. That's I all. would say, like, I could absolutely, again, 
the Franklin Castle of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be a fabulous place to do up and allow ghost hunts and do tours and let people like you could people will spend more money there. Like the Conjuring House. Like the Conjuring House. So, yeah, to me, that's smart business. <laughs> okay. But you know what I mean? That's not that's uh, believe or don't believe. I'm looking at a place like that being like, this is a place I could make money because people will spend money to come here. I mean, it does have a really interesting history. I will say that for sure. Absolutely. It has a great history. I love me a good history. Uh, Do I think it's some kind of devil house? No. (laughs) Like, no, that's dumb. Like that. No. You know, uh, I think it's had notorious people there and and it has a reputation and reputation is also going to make people want to come and check it out and, and buy it or spend time there. Like it's it's again, it's uh, if Zach Baggins could get his hand on it, he probably would. Don't give him any ideas. He can't. He's somebody else owns it. It's fine. That's true. That's true. Anywho, that's the Bulletskin House. And this brings us to... Hmm. Creepy Critics Corner! Creepy Critics Corner! Kim, what you watching? I'm happy to report that 100 Days of Horror is now over. Yay! (laughs) Not that I don't enjoy it. It's just, uh, I feel like I can relax a little bit now that I don't have to watch a horror film every day. And especially, um, I'm, I'm in the midst of, uh, performing in a play. Yes, you are. Which Gabby's going to come see this weekend. But, uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, between all the various things we do, it's been a little trouble keeping up. So, um, I, I actually closed off uh, with a film. Have you heard of this film? It's called When Evil Lurks. That was I my heard number. about it. Mm-hmm. I haven't it's, seen it. It's really interesting. Uh, so <clears throat> it takes it's it's an Argentina. That was weird. Argentinian. Argentinian. Okay. So it's an Argentinian film. Um. Bleak. It is a bleak movie. I need to say that right away. But it's uh, these two brothers who realize that their their neighbor uh, has been possessed by a demon of some Ooh. kind. And um, if you just kill the person, then the demon, the evil can can spread and like mm. kind of infect people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of what starts to happen is that uh, this this demon, this entity starts infecting people in their little their little town. And these brothers are desperately trying to like, save their family and 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 get away safely, but they can't seem to escape it. And it's, it's really well done. It is um, not the easiest movie to watch. It's got some rough stuff in it. So it's it's like just know that going in. It, it really is a beautifully done film, but it is a bleak movie. It is unrelenting. And 
know that going in or you're going to be feeling some pain. Okay, good to know. Um, it's Again, it's not the kind of movie I would... <sighs> I would recommend it to everyone, but it is a really well done piece of film. Uh, the movie I watched that was a little bit more on the fun side, um, I'm a big fan of the Hell House franchise. Oh, Hell you House, told me. LLC. I mm-hmm. need to watch it. They're really fun. The original is really, really good. Um, the second one is is good. The third one is a little... Mm, like, the, the part two and three aren't as strong as the original, but part four that just came out, I watched this on Halloween. It was after we, we hung out on Halloween. We did hang out on Halloween. We did, and then I went home and watched this. It's Hell House LLC Origins, The Carmichael Manor. It just sounds good. <laughs> well, one of the things I love about I mean, again, I'm an unapologetic found footage person, and this is a mixture of like found footage and, and kind of faux documentary, which I'm I love even more. I love a good faux documentary. Is that you're you're exploring kind of two sides of the story because there's elements you know going in because you're looking at interviews um from after whatever events happened, but then you're watching the footage that's unfolding these events and this is um, the the Hell House LLC series is mostly surrounding uh, the Abaddon Hotel. But this is around a new place, the Carmichael Manor. But it is adjacent to like, could you watch this as a standalone? You could. Should you? I don't think so. I think you should watch the other the other movies first to really appreciate some of what's being brought up in this. Gotcha. But, I loved it. I loved it. These movies are, you know, not huge budgets, uh, but they do just some really effective, very ups, like unsettling, creepy stuff. Uh, and I, I love the whole franchise. I think it's really fantastic. Not everybody does, but this this is one that that lands for me. So, um, yeah, I very much recommend it. Nice. Uh, Gabby, what you've been watching? I watched a really stupid Dracula movie. It's called Dracula 2000. I was texting you about it. I told you. I told you it was dumb. I warned you. Oh, man. I I warned you. So I have to preface this by saying that I think I might have mentioned this at some point. My husband does not like horror films, but recently was like, yeah, I'll watch them. But he's been getting into them. Yeah. Yeah. And like surprisingly, he'll like go through all of our apps of whatever we have and like favorite like horror movies and i'm like who are you and what have but you why done doesn't with my he husband? let me steer you guys towards better oh, no, movies he, he should he absolutely should and i think this was also on halloween night that i watched dracula 2000 and it was just funny because um it's so bad it's so dumb it's just like it's not good it's horrible and it's funny because i remember texting you being like what's your thought and you were like it's good to ch- talk shit about. I was like, yeah. great. I love doing that. Um, so I just rage texted you while watching it. <laughs> and I was, was trying like, to watch the Hell House movie. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I hope I didn't ruin it for you. No, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> but, oh, man, that was so dumb. I'm like, let me have my time back. Oh, But just the the fact that it's like a child Gerard Butler is the funniest yeah. thing. Well, it's from like 20 me. years ago. It literally... My favorite part of talking to you about it is you're like, yeah, it's really old. It's from like 20 years. Yes, Kim. It's yeah, from the year 2000. 2000 yep. Yep. Dracula 2000. Gabby, I saw that movie in theaters. 
So anyway, I, was, I, I think I was, I'm not going to say where I was because that dates me, but I saw that movie in theaters. I know. You told me. And uh-huh. uh, anyway, yeah, I watched that. It was dumb. Um, it's very dumb. It's a very dumb movie. I also watched a newer movie that's been on uh, Netflix called No Hard Feelings with Jennifer Lawrence. Mm. Okay. And um, this is a movie that is probably not for everyone, but... It was something that was easy to watch. Sure. The premise is that she's in a financial bind and her friend pulls up an ad on Craigslist of parents that are looking for someone to quote unquote date their 19 year old son who's like completely oh, anti I remember seeing the trailers for this. It's very funny. Um, and it's like, I don't, it's I don't think those, it's a Kim movie. I don't think you'll like it that much, but no. I think some of our listeners might. But there are some like one liners and moments throughout it that are very, very funny. And then the rest of it's just kind of like fluff, it feels like. Mm-hmm. But, um, I liked it. It was an easy watch. It was something like light to put on um, that didn't end the same way that most movies like that end, which I appreciated Mm -hmm. because it's like taking a rom-com and really sticking to like the main core points of it, but throwing in like really offensive comedy, (laughs) Sure, Mm -hmm. Um, but not ending the same way you would think most rom-coms end. Um, And so I, I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been watching. I watched actually two movies. Um, and then I've also just watched some trash TV, which we won't talk about because, you know, I always <laughs> got to watch my trash TV. You love your trash TV. I love it. I, You know, if anything, I'm anything, but um, you can expect the same thing from me all the time, you know, uh, predictable. Mm. Um, having said that, thank you for listening. Uh we hope you enjoyed this ridiculous episode. Um, and now go look up. What was the animal called again? Oh, the haggis. Go look up a haggis if you haven't mm-hmm. yet, because it'll, it'll really make your day. It's fun. Um, not the food, the animal. Um, the animal. Because you're going to be real confused if you look up the food. You um, look up the food, too, but like that's going to be not gonna be Not going to be as funny, you know? That's funny. Um, but thank you for listening. And if you like what we do, head on over to Patreon and check out some extra content that we have on there, whether it's bloopers or if you want to see our facial expressions from this episode, it'll be on there for our video. Um, and then we also have some other goodies on there for you, too. Um, if you like what we do but can't financially contribute, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify for a rating and review um, or say hi to us on social medias. Anywhere you see Ghoulish Tendencies podcast, we're most active on Instagram um, and you can say hi to us there and see some visual references for our episodes so thank you so much for listening and stay